the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me, as always, is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello, back down to earth. Back down to earth after our live exploits with four Socceroos last week. It's now back to me and you in the broom cupboard. <laughs> yeah. Right, plenty to talk about though. Uh, probably quite a good job we haven't got many guests because there is an awful lot of stuff to cover. Um, we'll kick off with Socceroos. Um, Trev, two wins, eight goals, non-conceded, job done. Yeah, big names out. Um, guys coming in doing well enough Holger's got um, one of those very positive selection headaches when it comes around to the next set of games um, first up was was Malaysia um, my observation about them I, I suppose if, you, if you're going to play a friendly a few days for a World Cup qualifier play against a team that has no interest in tackling you or sliding tackles or getting any of your players injured they were a, a perfect warm up in that sense when they are to the extent where I wondered if something had been said about you can play us, but you're not allowed. <laughs> not, you're not allowed any stupid sliding tackles, which is fair enough for a friendly. Um, but yeah, we sort of coasted, didn't we, from the start? Um, yeah. Early Luke Wilkshire goal, and we never really um, looked like doing anything except dominating and winning easily. I mean that that aside, I mean the, the quality of the opposition aside. I mean obviously you can, you can only play what's in front of you. Um, you know, we did move the ball quickly. You know, we played some nice triangles. We you know. The, Again, it, we resisted the urge to play the early long ball into Kennedy, which at times we've we've done, particularly against Thailand. We saw that. Mm. Um, whereas you know it was a lot more on the floor, a lot more mobile, and so that was you know, and I, and I guess that's probably the perfect sort of environment to try that in in those sort of games where you're probably not going to get the same amount of resistance that you would in a qualifier. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good for technique. It's good for confidence to play a team like that, and and that's the style that everyone wants us to play um, and if, if you can do it with results then it's definitely the way you should play so yeah it was a, it was a pretty positive run out right, and obviously we took that form into the game on Tuesday night uh, regulation 3-0 win against the Mar, which puts us in the box seat um, in the group to qualify uh, one more win would do it um, the two away games to come in November I mean how, how did you see the game as it unfolded yeah I mean I, th- I felt Early goals in both of these games were, you know, really positive, especially when you're at home against a team you're expected to beat. An early goal really makes a difference. There's a lot of talk around half-time that we needed a second to kill them off, and, you know, obviously you always want that, but I never really felt particularly in danger against them. You know, even a 1-0, yeah. Although there was a bit of an early scare even before we scored. There was, you know, we sort of started slowly in the first five minutes. Um, There was a couple of... the guy went right on the byline and cut inside. Cut across, yeah. But in the, in the grand scale of the game, when we, we controlled possession and chances, and you know, I don't think even if they'd scored early on, that would have made a lot of difference. We were, yeah. You know, but by far the better side. And Brett Holman continues to divide opinion. You know, obviously he scored the first. He he robbed the defender in the box to set up the second. Um, but also, you know, there's the good. But then on the other side, he, he does get himself in an awful lot of positions where. There is no end product, you know, mm. and, it, and it, 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 he continues to divide fans. I mean, on our forums, there were there were pe- there were at least half as many people were like, you know, is he the, you know, is he as good as we people are making out because he's scoring? Um, Holger, yes, last night on Fox uh, Fox Sports FC was gushing about him. You know, loves clearly loves him. 
Yeah. Um, well, I'm a bit confused about that. I mean, he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet for me. I think there's a lot of people that spent a very long time slagging off Brett Holman. And now he's playing... Can't bring himself. Yeah, exactly. And now, now it's all for years that, you know, I was having a go at him. And, and you still sort of cling on to the idea that he's, he's not very good. But, you know, he, he clearly is. And it, it's a real sort of, you know, selection problem now about... They're, they're saying that Kennedy and Kale couldn't play well, well together. And then... Um, you've got Kennedy and Holman playing really well together, but you couldn't even begin to consider not playing Cahill because he's our best player. Um, and then, you know, where do you fit in Harry? I thought Matt Mackay was brilliant yeah. again. Like, he, he just seems so natural at this level. And, I, you know, and on the right-hand side, you know, Reese Williams with Luke Wilshire advanced a bit further forward. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. it's they combine well, particularly in the Malaysia game. I mean, Reese Williams had a lot of ball. You know, we were working the ball well again on, on Tuesday wide. I didn't think his delivery was, was quite as good as it probably could have been. Yeah. Um, he certainly got into a lot of attacking positions. Mm. Um, but again, you know, another positive. Um, Matt Spiranovic yep. coming in, you know, maybe that was a little bit of a surprise, you know, that we'd sort of seen Neil and Ognanovsky as the first choice in what you call the competitive games. But that was encouraging again that Holger is willing to go with the young lad who's, who's performed well. What about haircuts? Holman, hair gone. Kennedy, hair gone. Spranovic. Strength to strength, aren't they? There's a lot of them. Long-haired footballers. Think of the past. I do want to say something on Kennedy. Um, when he came into the side and the, the perception of him for a long while was that big man up front is sort of nodded in. And I think his first seven goals for the Socceroos were all headers. It wasn't until he shinned that one just before the World Cup started against <laughs> yeah. Denmark. But his last four goals have all been with his feet and pretty nicely taken as well. And um, we spoke to him recently. I spoke to him for, for the magazine after the live pod last week. And he was saying, well, he's really improved and worked on his techniques since he's been in Japan with his feet. And he says he now score, he scores more goals in Japan with his feet than he does his head, um, which is great. There's so much more to him than what a lot of people you know, perceive at first. And, and he's head and shoulders, so to speak, above all the other sort of striking candidates we've got. And, uh, I mean, Aman... On the on the you know the the wash up disappointing, you'd, yeah. You'd have to say. I mean, they, you know, this, this is an opponent that we've struggled with before. You know, we, we've never really beat them as convincingly as we did the other night. You know, remember the Asian Cup yeah. um, game in in Bangkok where we very nearly lost to them. Um, you know, I guess that is is that a sign that the sort of group is is is, is really a pretty weak one, and we got we got a very good draw if you're actually looking at it. For this phase, yeah. yeah. I mean, you even looked at a name like Saudi Arabia and felt that, I know they've not been doing well in recent years, but they're still a relatively big name in, in the region. And then Armani felt that, um, you know, there would be some big challenges. And, you know, Thailand looked like the second best team in the group. And they well, were they got draws, they, they, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, they were supposed to be the whipping boys. So it, it's not turned out, you know, how we expected. But yeah, there's no problems from here. And I suppose another discussion is I wonder what Holger would do with these teams you know, if we've got a game we're already through, you know, will that be an opportunity to try a load of new lads or is he going to want to work on continuing to gel this team? Yeah. And interesting to see what happens to the boys that, that come back, you know. Well, um, I think it's difficult to get all of those. Emerton, Cahill, Kuehl. Could you fit yeah. all three of those back in? I mean... Yeah. And also, you know, let's talk about just quickly uh, Adam Federici. Yeah. You know, didn't have an awful lot to do, but when he did, that free kick in the second half, he was uh, he was alive to it. Um, and you, you know, you'd, you'd probably say that we've, 
you know, with Federici, with Brad Jones, Langerak. with Langerak coming up. With Matt you know, Ryan. We, we've got good stocks, keeping stocks, you know. That, and that's probably the one area where you would probably say that, that we don't have to worry about the next generation coming through because we've, we've got a fair amount of uh, depth there. I'm not worried about the goalkeeper. I mean, they talk about the, you know, the, the big players for our spine. So if you're replacing Neil... Cahill, Kjord, Schwartz is what I'm least worried about. I think there'll be a, a genuine battle for, you know, who's going to take that spot. Okay. Well, as you said, uh, November is the next uh, round of World Cup qualification. Uh, we go away to Oman and then away to Thailand, and a win in either of those games would see us qualified. Um, you know, so let's go for the win and wrap it up early. Yep. All right, that's it for the Socceroos. Uh, let's turn our attention now, obviously, because sandwiched in between those two games was week one of season seven of the Hyundai A-League. So uh, let's get into it. So it kicked off Saturday, um, 4.30, with a, a right at the death a win for interim coach Craig Deans uh, in his first game in charge of the Jets. 3-2 against Melbourne Hart. Trev, what did yep. you make of this? I mean, it, fluke of a goal to win it but who cares yeah I mean good timing on their goals um, right at the end of the first half and right at the end of the, the second half um, I, I, all talking about where you know where the Jets goals going to come from this season and how often they're likely to score three but this was an important game because it's certainly a very winnable game against a Hart team that should be there or thereabouts in the finals but certainly not a you know, a victory or a, a roar or anyone like that um, so really important that they started the season you know, on the front foot, and in fact, find themselves top of the table after a round, I believe, which uh, I didn't expect to see them there at any point. And uh, two goals apiece for uh, Matty Daganzic, obviously moved crossed Melbourne from victory, uh, and Ryan Griffiths. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's a player that you know that, that maybe in the when we were doing our sort of preview of the uh, A-League, was a player that sort of crept a bit under the radar because obviously he moved to the Jets last season but had a bit of a torrid time with injury and was out for a while. Um, but no doubt in his pedigree, you know, he scored goals in Asia and uh, certainly seems to be, you know, we, we've worried about the Jets striking. Maybe Is he the answer? Do, have, have we sort of done him a disservice by uh, overlooking him? I, I still think that any team that's going to do well needs... A couple of striking options, you know. Um, Petrovsky was their top scorer last season. An incredible stat of Petrovsky that he was um, top scorer last season that he didn't start a game. Uh, could you imagine that happening anywhere else? I think that was um, fairly special. So I think also they were taking on a pretty leaky heart defence. Um, they're saying that hopefully Klossom will be back this week and if he's not too upset about not being captain anymore. Um, he's integral to how Hart's season's going to go. Fred looked good as well. I think that, was, that was Beyond's first goal as well, wasn't it, in the A-League? Yeah. He spent a couple of seasons at Sydney. Those 9,000 free kicks he had at <laughs> Sydney. Yeah. And obviously his penalty, winning penalty in the penalty shootout yeah, in the yeah. grand final, well, yeah. so that doesn't count as a goal. Uh, 12,500 was the crowd, very respectable. Um, obviously the coaching situation, Trev, rumour is Steve, Steve McLaren ruled himself out. <laughs> Right. I ruled myself out early as well. Yeah. Uh, one man that hasn't ruled himself out, who is hot favourite, is uh, is the return of Gary Van Egmond. Obviously, uh, pedigree there, won the title with the Jets, then headed off in a bit of acrimonious circumstances. Do you remember the con versus the double FA? Yeah, rant. Um Looks like he is uh, in the box seat to return. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know directly what the Jets fans' attitude to that is, but... 
I think it would be fairly positive. He's got an, an excellent reputation um, for doing well and, and doing well with all due respect with a modest set of players. Um, so that situation might be sort of, you know, tailor-made for him and he's familiar, so he's not going to battle any of the sort of politics of coming into a club for the first time. So, yeah, it's, it seems a, a pretty solid point. I, mean, I know other people are, are talking about they'd be quite keen to sort of give someone new, you know, a Paul Ocon or someone like that who hasn't coached yet um, to see if they can prove themselves. And, and that's quite a compelling argument. I would like to perhaps see someone of, of that level, you know, be given the job. Um, but results-wise, yeah, I can see... Van Egmont being the best bet. Okay. Well, uh, you'd imagine that they'll want to tie that up pretty quickly. Uh, so expect that uh, to break over the next sort of week. Uh, obviously, the, the big game with all the hype uh, focused on Etihad Stadium, which was the second game on Saturday. Melbourne victory nil, Sydney FC nil. Didn't really tell the tale in what was a, an entertaining game. Plenty of incidents. Uh, how would you t- sum this one up, Trev? Yeah, I went. I, I went to yeah. the game, um, and yeah, like you said, you know, you have to understand football because sometimes nil nils can be really good games, and, and this was an example of it. Um, I, I suppose it's quite interesting. All the focus was on, you know, Kuehl and Emerton, and, and, and Kuehl was excellent, um, you know, probably more so than Everton. But it was, yeah, you know, a couple of young players that impressed me most. Um, Rojas yeah. was excellent and yeah. we've been talking about how good he was going to be and, and he certainly lived up to that billion and and, um, and and then you've got Terry Antonis for Sydney who I thought showed some some pretty confident touches you know he's, he's you know, a little bit rough around the edges in some respects but I think I can see him being a good player but you know you look at victory then who they had to bring on you know Solizano up front I mean that's it looked lively when he yeah, came on I thought uh, I mean and probably should have won it yeah it was clean through with the red. I mean it's a good save but yeah. as a striker you know I, I wonder if he'd been on for any you know a bit longer yeah whether he would have slotted that exactly yeah and, and they've got you know Hernandez to come back in and I mean, we were chatting to, to member at the A-League launch weren't we about his embarrassment of riches up front we've mentioned it before on the pod and Look, it's true. Like they've got such good options and options. Well, I mean, there's very it. few A-League teams that could bring off somebody of the quality of Archie Thompson and bring on somebody of the quality of Solazano. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. or potentially this weekend take off somebody like Harry Kuehl and potentially bring on Carlos Hernandez. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, I thought Cernak was was really good when he came on as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, good options on the bench and certainly a game I feel the. Could have and, won. Great uh, goalkeeping as well. Yeah, I was just about to say that. You know, Ante Kovac, uh, obviously back from uh, from Europe, uh, excelled really. Both keepers, Liam Reddy as well. Um, but bearing in mind, Kovac only arrived back in the country, I think, on Tuesday. Mm. Um, obviously, the penalty save will we'll go. Out. Not the worst penalty in the world, no. not the best. Um, I was a bit gutted. I had Brett Emerton to score at any point. Which was, uh, <laughs> no, nothing about that. I mean, let's compare the two the two first games, Kuehl versus Emerton. That's what everybody want, you know, will be doing. I mean, how did we see that they fared? I mean, obviously, Harry was rumoured not to be 100% match fit, and there mm. was question marks how long he'd last. He lasted the 90, and Emerton didn't. Well, there was, there was talk. I don't know how much this has been covered, um, you know, here, but they, they were saying in the paper in Melbourne, I was still there, that he refused to come off. As this, um, really? yeah, that, that's what I think it might have been the age that I was reading was that, um, yeah, they asked him to come off and he refused. Now, I don't know if, if 
that's entirely true. They were saying, how do you feel? And he turned around and went, well, I feel fine to play yeah. the full game or not. Because yeah. I, I, I would be surprised in the first game if he turned around and, and said, no, I'm not coming off. I think he, he might have just said, no, I'm, I'm good to go along. And, and yeah, look, he, he did well. I mean, he's, he's header. He went closest with. Um, he actually went up and congratulated Liam Reddy after yeah. that after that save, quite how good it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, he, you know, and I don't just think because of the penalty miss. I think Emerton seemed a little bit off key. Mm. Um, and, and I think most people expected Emerton to, to perhaps play better than Harry over the season. And look, he might, but um, I thought Harry outplayed him on that game. I still think that, you know, I, I think Sydney SC is still trying to find what their formation and system is. Mm. We saw, like, Emerton moving all around. You know, he, he certainly played a fair, you know, towards the end he was moving a bit more central. Um, you know, you forget as well, like, how good Harry actually is in the air. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, you, and you, then you think back to it. sort of Socceroos games as well. Um, I think the only danger I sort of saw with Harry on on Saturday was he was trying a little bit too hard. Yeah. You know, to make things happen. You mm. know. Uh, all right, so that was nearly. I mean, let's just talk briefly, of course, about the red card. Yes. I mean, what was your view on this? I mean, for <clears> me, it was pretty cut and dried. I mean, it, it, you know, the pushing and shoving at free kicks is something that happens all the time, but you can't straight arm someone to the throat. Yeah, well, look, I had the worst view because I was actually at the game, so I didn't see it. I just saw a, you know, melee of every player getting involved. Um, and I haven't seen it since, so I can't actually comment on, on quite how bad the incident was. Um, but you felt that that would, you know, could be a turning point in the game, especially with the attackers that Melbourne had. Yeah, and obviously he's picked up two games as a result, which Sydney haven't... Um, haven't contested, although uh, Dirt Melton, you know, was... A great release, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a great so... press release. <laughs> there was someone on our forums that said, was this written by Sydney FC fans? <laughs> They're actually the CEO's quotes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know. uh, so, yeah, so they've set their stall out, um, which is good to see. I mean, you'd probably say, in, in hindsight, with, with the way that the game unfolded, a good point for Sydney. They'd look at that oh, and yeah. think, you know, 10 men... Going down there, it's a favourite point. You know, in, in a lot of people's eyes, to, to go there and yeah, pick up a point. All right, last season's grand final rematch took place at uh, Suncorp. Brisbane Raw prevailed one nil. Uh, they were good for the one nil, weren't they? I mean, I mean, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan had a had a phenomenal game and uh, was unlucky to end up on the on the losing side. I mean, a bit like this grand final, then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, uh, so Brisbane seemed to you know. As we expected, nothing's changed really in the in the way that they play. The personnel has changed somewhat. Mm. Um, Mariners, what did you make the Mariners? I mean, we, we've sort of t- fair few people have tipped them to be up there again. Did we see that in this game? Yeah, look, I'm not, I think they'll, they'll be up there again. I, I don't think they'll win. And like we said previously, no team that's lost the grand final has ever won it the next year. Um, and especially with a sort of a similar set of players, adding some sort of you know reasonable fringe coverage I, th- I think it's going to be tricky for them and especially considering how much other sides such as victory have improved and, and Sydney too um, you know I can see him sort of being you know up there top four but I'm not quite sure they'll, they'll do enough with Brisbane um, a point that was made I think Adam Adam Peacock of Fox made the point in in our magazine he said that there was a few times last season where Brisbane had some really key players missing they played the same style. Everyone that came in could play it, and they dominated in the same way. Now, that's what this whole season's going to be like because they've lost some, some really key players. And, and as you're saying, they've, they've got the same style, and everyone seems to be knowing you know, what they're supposed to be doing. I suppose the pivotal point is how their new strikers settle. Um, that's who they really needed to replace. Okay. 
Uh, again, decent crowd out there, 13,500. Uh, obviously, just over 40,000 at, uh, at Etihad, which was excellent. Uh, Gold Coast uh, drew one all with Wellington. Chris Greenacre opened the scoring with a, with a neat move and a, and a smart finish, as we've come to expect from uh, Chris. Uh, that was cancelled out late on with a wonder strike yeah. from, uh, from James Brown. Uh, beat two men. And then I, I think the keeper was completely flat-footed. kind of looped in, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, like, I think he, I, I don't think he got 100% the best strike on it, but it no. looked good. It was, it was sort of good, bad, and I think the keeper was just completely like wrong-footed by it. Um, yeah. Well, they've been talking about James Brown for a while. I mean, when they formed and we did the behind-the-scenes feature, they sort of said, this is the one guy that's really going to come did through. Did he break his leg or was it yeah. a cruciate? He broke his leg. He, he had a bad... Well, he's, he's suffered from injuries pretty much you know, the best part of his career, and um, that's a real issue for him. If he can stay fit, then there's no doubt that, you know, he'll be an important player for him. And Phoenix, I was, we, we talked about their, the, the, the bareness of their squad going into this game. Um, they're also now facing an even bigger injury crisis as they lost uh, Paul Eiffel with a groin injury, Vince Leo with a knee injury, and Danny Sanchez with a calf injury all came off mm. uh, during this game. And I think... Um, uh, the keeper Mark Pastinel was also struggling towards the end but couldn't come off because they'd already used the three subs so uh, injury crisis there for Ricky to uh, to shuffle his pack to, to best effect yep. um, final game of the, of the they said the season no, <laughs> the please don't, don't do that to us <laughs> final game know. of the round uh, was over in the west Perth Glory uh, got up 1-0 over Adelaide United Um Surprise there, would you say? I mean, obviously Adelaide one of the favourites, but Perth traditionally strong at home. Yeah, yeah, they, they do well. I mean, I, I suppose I'm always sort of loath to to tip Perth at the beginning of the season because it always looks like they've got a reasonable team, and then you know they never kick on in the way they should. But a few new signings, um, <clears throat> and perhaps not the new signings you'd expect. You know, considering they got Dodd and Smelts, there's a lot of talk of, of Liam Miller um, to see Billy Mehmet. You know, big Billy, as we're going to call him. He's a unit, big, isn't he? Yeah, Big Billy. Um, you know, doing well. And the, look, the, they were good value. And I, I suppose Adelaide, who started so well last season, um, but might look to, to next weekend at home to kickstart the year. And Andrezinho, yeah. on the left-hand side, looked very promising. You know, we talk about in pre-season, we were running through the names. And obviously, we, you know, you don't see a lot of these players. Some we know, <laughs> some, some it is literally... Yeah. We need to look at the first two or three weeks. And from week one, he was probably one of the standout newcomers that you'd look at and go, didn't know anything about him, looks a real prospect. Yeah, and, and you know, him sort of supplying balls and you, you've got sort of Dodd perhaps down the other wing and then we know how good smelts can be. Mehmet looks good. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty reasonable looking Perth team. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's it for round one. And that's it for part one. We'll be back after this break to uh, wrap up the final uh, weekend of Europe, Euro 2012 qualifying. Uh, and we'll also look at some of the news headlines on our website, au.442.com. The November issue of 442 magazine is out now. This month, we preview the world's biggest club competition, the UEFA Champions League. We speak to the world's best player, Lionel Messi, show you how Barcelona can be beaten, and run down the Aussie high and lows from the history of the Champions League. Elsewhere, we interview Socceroo Patrick Kisnorbo and Melbourne Heart captain Fred. 442 on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. 
Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to turn our attention briefly to Europe now and look at how the final round of Euro 2012 qualifying finished up. We'll run through the tables, Trev. Obviously, Poland and Ukraine qualified uh, as hosts, mm-hmm. um, so they didn't need to go through qualification. Group A, Germany won the group, topped the group easily, played 10, won 10. 4.34 against 7.30 points. Uh, Turkey go into the playoffs, finishing second. Group B, Russia won the group, 23 points from 10 games. Republic of Ireland second uh, with 21. Uh, Italy won uh, Group C quite comfortably by 10 points. They got 26 points from uh, from 10 games. Only conceded two goals in 10 games, Trev. Sounds about right. Yeah, scored 20. So average was a 2 0 win. Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Estonia, uh, you know, fantastic progression from Estonia. I mean, I can remember the days not so long ago when they were considered, you know, whipping boys in, uh, you know, in, in European and World Cup qualifying. They've now qualified for the playoffs at the expense of, th- of two teams that were in the uh, World Cup. Yeah, I mean, you know, Serbia and Slovenia. Serbia are. It's kind of a strange situation for Serbia, isn't it? Because they're a small nation, but as a set of individuals, you know, they're all a pretty decent club, so they'd be disappointed to be you know, below Estonia. Uh, Group D, France qualified just, uh, thanks to a disputed penalty in the, in the last game. Uh, not like the French to get a bit yeah. of refereeing decision to go their way. So Germany went through, won all their games, Italy didn't concede any goals, and France... <laughs> France didn't concede many goals, conceded four over the 10 games, but only scored 15. Right. You know, um, had six wins, three draws and one defeat, but they went through on 21 points. Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, whose expense they went through in that last game, uh, obviously get a consolation of, of a playoff. Holland uh, were robbed of their... Uh, Perfect record. Uh, they were they were also in line for to match Germany with a perfect qualification record, but actually lost to Sweden in the mm. uh, in the last game, which uh, secured Sweden's place in the playoffs. Um, Greece topped Group F uh, by two points from Croatia, very tight, and and the win for Greece in Croatia was was critical in that. Greece undefeated in qualifying, and we talk about typical. Uh, 1-7, drawn 3, 4-14 four, in 10 games against 5. Yeah. Uh, Croatia, obviously, you know, a lot of quality in that Croatian side. They'll have been disappointed not to have qualified. They get a second chance. Um, England qualified uh, comfortably, undefeated, played 5-1-3. Uh, got the draw they needed in Montenegro. But, I mean, Trev, let's, let's just discuss it briefly. Wayne Rooney... Yep. You know, he's written a letter. Thought so that, <laughs> what left? Like, is it joined up? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a picture, man. Um, I mean, we thought that he'd sort of got this under control, mm. at least on the pitch, swearing into TV cameras, something different. Yeah. But you know, we haven't seen this sort of on-field petulance from him probably for two or three years. I remember him throwing the ball at the ref and, and Fulham <laughs> getting sent off, which was probably the last time. Yeah, is, is he? A, is this real trouble for England? Because he is probably their only world-class player, but he is a liability. 
Yeah. And, and to all intents and purposes, he is, doesn't seem to be growing up and will always be a liability. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much this affects it, but I mean, that game is in the wake of his father being arrested. Um, and he strikes me as the sort of person that needs to have his head clear if he's going to um, not do something stupid on the pitch. So is the blame there at Capello's door? Because Capello came out in the lead up to this game and said, he is fine. I've yeah. spoke to him mentally, he's fine. Is that a sign that Capello... Can't read his players. Well, that's what Cabello was supposed to be the master of, wasn't he? Reading yeah. his players and if they felt that you know they were up to him, what have you. Um, they, they, they might not be linked to those two things. It might be something that would have happened um, anyway. From an England point of view, there's, there's talk that because he'll miss the start of the tournament, do you take him? He's head and shoulders above anyone else in it. And if England are going to have a chance of you know, making the semis or something like that, which would, would be a realistic aim, then they'd need, um, they'd need Rooney playing. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Unfortunately, I agree. I'd like to think that we could take a firm stance, but for any any opportunity of winning a tournament, they need Wayne Rooney. So, um, yeah. so Montenegro. I mean, let's not underplay Montenegro's uh, achievement in coming second. I think a, a country of six hundred thousand people. Yeah. Um, to top Switzerland, Wales, and Bulgaria. And they drew uh, with England no twice. Feet. Drew with England twice. Mm. Didn't lose to England. Uh, so they they get a playoff shot. So, so to run that through, obviously, qualified nations are Poland, Ukraine, Sweden qualified. Oh, sorry, missing a couple more groups. Uh, Group H, Denmark qualified at Portugal's expense. Uh, Portugal again having so to do rubbish it the hard way. For tournaments. <laughs> and, also, and, and even then, it was only by, uh, by the, by the head to head against Norway, um, because they were equal on points. So they, you know, they very nearly went out. Um, Spain, Qualified comfortably, played eight, one eight. Um, Czech Republic came second in the group. Scotland again, the bridesmaid. Um, so just to, to to run through now. So that means that qualified nations are Poland, Ukraine, Germany, Russia, Italy, France, Netherlands, Greece, England, Denmark, Spain, and Sweden qualify as the best place, second place team. Uh, the playoffs, the draw is tonight our time. Um, for the playoffs, and these games will take place two legs in November. The, pl- the seeded teams in the playoffs are Portugal, Croatia, the Republic of Ireland, and the Czech Republic, and they will be drawn to play against Turkey, Bosnia, Montenegro, or Estonia. Yeah, I think Bosnia could throw up a surprise there. They, they well, and even, Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, even though the seeding's designed so that um, you know they want those top four to go through. Um, that could be a little bit different to that. Just a little nod to San Marino's efforts in Group E. Um, play 10, lost 10, no goals scored, 53 conceded. Solid. <laughs> you, Solid. You know what you're getting. I mean, and that's why they've had to move from goal difference to head-to-head. Yeah. Because it just Became the good skews sound. the results. And when you're dealing with second pla- the, the best second-place team qualifying, mm. you know, so what they do in those groups where they have an extra team is they actually discount the results against the bottom-place team and only count the results in the top five. Right, OK. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got to ask, are we reaching the point where there needs to be a pre-qualifying? For, for a few nations, yeah. yeah I mean, like in Asia. You know, yeah. Like we come in at round three. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, is that is that what needs to start happening in Europe, or is, or is that being unfair to the smaller nations who need to be able to? Let's look at Estonia. We just talked about Estonia. Have they developed because they've had the opportunity to play against the bigger nations and test themselves and learn and develop? 
Yeah, I, th- I mean, you could easily shave all the groups down to five teams and have those bottom place teams playing off against each other. Um, but that might be doing, you know, their football exposure a bit of a disservice, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you've got to say, I mean, reading those teams out, I mean, that is a strong European Championship. Yeah, pretty much you know, everyone is Portugal making it as well. There is a massive shock that, that hasn't qualified. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, let's say, Portugal, Croatia... Republic of Ireland and Turkey went through. Yeah. Um, or even if the four seeds went through, Czech Republic, Croatia, Republic of Ireland, Portugal, that is a very, very strong tournament. And what's quite you know, interesting, in the wake of South Africa, where um, the, the three best teams were probably Germany, Netherlands and Spain, um, those three are obviously all going to be in the Euros as well, um, which makes for, you know, almost as exciting as a World Cup where normally you'd expect like a Brazil or an Argentina at a World Cup to, to be one of the top three. So, yeah, it should be good. All right. Uh, obviously, that's taking place next uh, June and into July. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in Poland and the Ukraine. All right, some news close to home. Uh, David Carney, clubless David Carney, finally found a new club. He has joined uh, Spanish second division side AD Alcocon in Madrid. <laughs> yes. So, at least good news that he's playing. I mean, was this the stat that you the stat that you put on Twitter? No, I, I didn't put it on Twitter. I'd read someone else had, had put this up on Twitter that um, David Carney has played more games for the Socceroos than any of his club sides. I mean, that's got to be a world. <laughs> I can't imagine that anybody has made more national team appearances than club appearances for any one club. Yeah, it's it, it's fairly special. But I mean, in terms of adding to those Socceroos performances, with Zulo coming in and he, you know, he's got a. Um, got a gig in uh, the Netherlands um, that's going to be quite tough and I, I suppose what, what I find most confusing I'll be honest I don't know you know massive amounts about the Spanish second division I wouldn't know how it compares to say you know the English championship or, or anything like that but he's playing in a 3,000 capacity stadium um, Kevin put a picture up of it online apparently they don't even feel that either so he's going to be playing in front of a couple of thousand people so less than what he'd expect playing in a state league um, so on a personal point of view I can't imagine that being that enthralling um, in terms of the standard it, it, I mean it would have to be quite a good standard for him to display Zulo I think and I, and I still think Joshua Rose would be ahead yeah. of you know Carl well I mean he needs to just get playing he needs to get playing and get some game time and uh, and then hopefully put himself in the shop window for, for a bigger move yeah alright Travis Dodd obviously uh, Travis Dodd the uh, Jump ship from Adelaide to Perth, and uh, this was in the wake of them facing off in round one. Obviously, uh, Perth got up 1-0, but he, uh, he had a little bit of a cheeky swipe at his former club, saying that they applied an AFL mentality when it came to contract negotiations. And what, what he was referring to is the fact that they, they believed that you know, any player over 30 is past his sell-by date, and obviously that in football... There are plenty of examples of players playing at the top level into their sort of mid and even late 30s. And uh, just because you're over 30 doesn't mean you're finished. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's quite a clever swipe, isn't it? Because if it's the one thing that people don't want to know about their clubs is that it's got an AFL attitude to it. Yeah. So in, in that sense, it was um, if, if you want to say something to niggle a club and their fans, it was a pretty clever thing to say. But yeah, he, he, he's obviously not happy about the way that things broke up of Adelaide. I mean, we spoke to him directly in the awards night, didn't we? And um, well, you know, while I can't remember the details of what he was saying, he's pretty much come out and said a lot of it publicly anyway. Yeah. He's not happy about how, how things ended there. All right, we, we touched on this uh, in our round-up of the game. Um, but let, I mean, let's look at it in a bit more detail and read some of uh, Dirk Melton's quotes 
from the release. So Sydney FC accepted Mark Bridges' two-match ban, but then issued a statement uh, implying that defender Roddy Vargas, Melbourne's defender, took a dive to get him sent off. Uh, these are the quotes. Mark was standing his ground trying to charge down a free kick when he was illegally taken out of the game by a Melbourne victory player. From the footage that has been presented to the club, we don't believe there was conclusive evidence to highlight there was contact to the throat of the player as Mark was trying to push him aside to take up his position and challenge for the ball. This is an excellent opportunity for our club to draw a line in the sand and say we won't dive. It is important for all in the game to acknowledge that Australians do not look favourably on anyone in sport who deliberately tries to milk a free kick or penalty. This is something that I believe we need to place greater scrutiny on in order for the game to be the best it can be in this country. Love it. Great, yeah, cause it, 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 and it's well pitched as well. It's gone right, you know, we've accepted it and then separately, but not separately at all, we're saying that, you know, we're not going to be diving during the season. Yeah, good. Good on you. Well, the danger is, is that obviously that does set a precedent, which is, it's all very well selling it, saying these things, but in the same incident, in the heat of the moment, would a Sydney player not go down if he has contact to his throat? Yeah, from, a, from an, another player. Well, Brosk has left, hasn't he? So it's, I suppose that's as far as you can make this comments. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I mean, sometimes with diving, you speak to the players about ones who've done it. Um, like you say, it's a heat of the moment type thing. Or they think well, that the challenge is going to come in. And, and also, they... a lot of them, it's a completely natural reaction that yeah. has been, you know, inbred in them for years. Which is, you get hit, you go down. Your first yeah. instinct is to go down. So I mean. Whilst, uh, obviously, you know, we don't want to see diving, you know, if somebody collects with your throat or your head, you know, it's difficult sometimes to stay on your feet. Um, all right, we talked about uh, Wellington's mountain injury crisis. Um, you know, Lucas Pantelis uh, obviously has been ruled out for the season. Uh, Pavlovich is out for two months. We we yet to have uh, any sort of long-term prognosis on the, the three lads, Leah, Sanchez and Eiffel, that, that came off at the weekend. Um, I mean, where do they go from here, Trev? Mm. Well, I mean, a point that Paul Eiffelman was speaking to him for the preview, she said that um, the kind of advantage of, of having Ricky in the position is that he knows all of the local players very well. So when it comes to getting injury replacements in locally and, and you know, all the sort of good emerging players in New Zealand, he knows them quite well. And that looks like that's exactly what they're going to have to do. There might be a few, you know, state league raids and, you know, tapping into the local market to get some of those players in, um, which is not likely to get Phoenix fans particularly excited. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that seems like that's their only option, really. Yeah. OK. Um, I mean, we yet to see the sort of impact that the new ownership is going to have there. I mean, they've, they've come in, they haven't done anything major yet. No. Nope. Um, apart from, obviously, save the club. Uh However, they, they have got, I think they've only got 20, they've got the minimum 20 signed. So there's mm. three players left on the roster that they could bring in. Yeah. Um, and you'd think that any more sort of long-term injuries and they won't have a choice. Um, Miran Blyberg has been looking to kill off his Tinkerman reputation with the way he's fitting Dutch striker Marco Ritzers into his side. Uh, he was kept out of the 1-1 draw with Wellington due to visa issues, but um, almost certainly. And... and Ironically, the person that benefited from his visa issues was James Brown, who wouldn't have played had Richards' visa come through. Um, difficult to drop James Brown now after a performance like that. Not, not for uh, Miron. He's not got a problem. He'll do what he wants. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I suppose that's uh, for the criticism. It was certainly something that people have said about Miron for a long time: is that he's not 
scared to constantly change things around, even if you're playing well. He'll happily sort of um, rotate. So, yeah, d- um, I didn't expect Gold Coast to have too many selection headaches this season because they didn't seem to have much squad depth. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see you know, what he does for the next game. All right, excellent. All right, well, that is it for part two. We will be back in part three to preview the Premier League, which returns this weekend after the international break. And then in the final part, of course, we will be looking forward to round two of the A-League, so stay with us. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the service of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, we're going to turn our attention now to the English Premier League, which... Uh, Starts up in earnest again this weekend after the international break. Obviously, Trev, the big game. Early game. First sure. up, the early game. Quarter to 11 our time now. Now clocks have gone forward. Liverpool, Man United. Big test for the new Liverpool under Kenny Dalglish. The uh, visit of Man United. Traditionally uh, a bitter rivalry, can only be said. Yes, yeah, there's few that can compare, really. Um, yeah, great that it's the... Um the early game as well. Good to see the Fox coverage. Robbie Slater and uh, Mark Bosnich as well on there. Yeah, what of course. They, what yeah. they have to say to each other on that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Liverpool are certainly um, showing flashes that they'll be there or thereabouts for the fourth place, and, and Suarez is absolutely integral to that. Um, Manchester United, despite picking up a point, or only a point at Stoke, would still, for me, have to head into this, you know, favourites. Um and, and yeah, I can I can see them being a, a little bit too much for Liverpool on that one. Okay, uh, sportingbet.com.au have it. Uh, Man United slight favourites, two dollars thirty-five. Liverpool three bucks. The draw three dollars twenty-five. Yeah, Man U. Yeah, I like think the draw that's... could be a good bet there. Mm. All right, my boys. He says with a slight fear in his voice. Head to Man City. Our first test of the season. We've played seven, drawn five, won two. We've beaten probably the two worst teams in the league. <laughs> We've drawn with a few of the other worst teams in the league. We haven't played anyone from the top six. Yeah. Now we're off to Man City. I think it could be a pummeling. Let's, let's, let's we are sportingbet.com.au. I reckon have it about right. We are $9 to win, $5 to get a draw. Uh, Man City are $1.32. Yeah, you were saying you've had quite a... Uh, tepid starts to yeah. the season, didn't you? And well, no, to look at it another way, two unbeaten teams come together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At, at Eastland to contest, uh, you know, top six clash. Yeah, um, I, look, I don't think you'll get um, smashed there. We we're saying before, Villa are just going to be one of those very hard to beat teams this season, aren't they? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you'd have to say the City will probably be do, do just enough. But it's quite interesting to see what Everton did when they went there recently, and they sort of held them off for an hour. And I suppose good teams always get you in the end. But yeah. um, Everton are often a good example of how to play better sides. They, they managed to sort of really keep their structure and make it hard for them. Okay, um, Norwich host Swansea, two promoted sides uh, face off. You know, and, and obviously when it, when 
all of these sides get promoted, they, they do, they'll target games which are mm. must win games. Now, this would have been on both of their lists. You know, they obviously know each other from last season. Uh, Sportingbet.com.au has Norwich favourites, $2.20. Uh, the draws three dollars twenty five and Swansea are three dollars twenty five. Trev, how yeah, do you see it? yeah. Look, Norwich are um, Norwich have been going, you know, relatively well. They're doing, um, they're, they're you know they're, they're fairly well up there. But as you say, this is a, a really important game. I think they might even be in the top ten. Norwich, they might be ninth away with you. Um, so if they can win this, then that early season form which is integral after you get promoted you still keep a bit of that momentum because it's going to get tough post-Christmas um, yeah I, I fancy Norwich to win it ok another one of the promoted sides QPR hosts Blackburn um, Blackburn right down the bottom QPR bit hit and miss yeah that, know, they've had some good results and then got spanked at Fulham recently so um, how do you see this one? I mean SportingBet.com now you have, have QPR quite strong favourites uh, a dollar eighty-five draws three dollars twenty-five. Blackburn four dollars fifty. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Sporting Bay on that one. I think uh, QPR will do enough at home there. Uh, Stoke entertain Fulham. Uh, this is also this is all still Saturday three o'clock kickoffs. Um, Stoke you know, solid start to the league. What you'd expect? Uh, yeah, new signing, sort of Peter Crouch been on the score sheet for them. Um, how do you see this one going? I mean Fulham. You know, as they always are, tough to beat, don't concede a lot of goals. Um, out of the blue came that 6-0 win before the international break. I mean, do you see that giving them the confidence to kick on? I think they'll get a point here, yeah. Um, there was an interesting story full of talking about that they're in a false position at the moment. They're playing better than the, um, you know, the, than the league suggests. But they said that about West Ham last season. We kept saying we're in a false position and we finished bottom. So... Um, you have to get results. There's no such thing as a false position, especially when the, the season ends. Yeah. Two teams that are at the bottom, Wigan and Bolton. Uh, probably Bolton, surprisingly, after the, some of the plaudits that Owen Coyle was getting. They're rock bottom at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, if they lose at Wigan, which is sort of a, the, one of the red-hot favourites to, to drop down, they're, well, it's almost a crisis point now, isn't it? Because they're losing, and they're losing heavily as well. Well, they won on the opening day, and then they've, they've lost every game since. Um Wigan uh, are not much better. Uh, they're on five points. Bolton on three points. Um, they finished poorly as well, didn't they? End of last season. Yeah, they, they the... lost. I think they lost. I think the was like they lost like their last four games at the end of last season. Yeah. So they've lost sort of you know ten of the last eleven games. Um, where are we at? Just uh, so Wigan Bolton. Just uh, get the odds for you from Sporting Bet. Wigan two dollars twenty five. The draw three dollars twenty five. Bolton three dollars fifteen. Mm, yeah. So talking about Chelsea, uh, Everton uh, playing against the the better sides. They uh, they head to Chelsea in the late game on Saturday. Um, Chelsea, as you'd expect, up there uh, in third at the moment, three points behind the joint leaders, Man United and Man City. Um, only lost one game at home, three straight wins. Do you see anything other than a, a home win here? Um. Yeah, I think Chelsea might might edge it, but look, it's never easier, you know, when the big teams play as so I was saying earlier. So I think they might sneak by. Um, Chelsea haven't really got going yet. Um, yeah, they're still there or thereabouts, and they've still been winning games that go one or two ways. They could just get found out and drop away, or they could hit form and, and really sort of push the 
push the Manchester sides. All right, Chelsea are dollar thirty-two, draws four dollars seventy-five, and Everton are ten dollars, even longer odds than Villa to win at Man City, which surprises me. Hmm. Uh, Sunday's games: the early game, West Brom versus Wolves, local-ish derby uh, in the Midlands. Um, West Brom are favourites, quite strong favourites, two dollars. The draw is $3.30, and Wolves are $3.75. Trev, how do you see this one going? Yeah, West Brom, you know, Roy came in and, and made them very solid last season, and they've not started well here. Wolves did start well this season and have now completely dropped off. So that that's, a, you know, a bit like the Norwich-Swansea game and, and the Wigan-Bolton game. This is a real pivotal one for those two if they don't want to start, you know. I mean, having said that, you know, in. Wolves are still ahead two points ahead of West Brom in the league, yet they're starting this game severe underdogs, which is surprising. Mm. Uh, right, Arsenal host Sunderland uh, in the 11.30 game our time. Uh, obviously, Arsenal's in 15th position at the moment in the league table after seven games. Sunderland are just below them on a point, uh, a point below them on six points. How do you see this one? Must win for Arsenal. They, they have to put together a a string over the next yeah, sort of three or four games of, of three or four wins, really. Yeah, look, I, th- I think that um, Arsenal will do enough here and Sunderland um, are sort of, can be a difficult team to predict at times. They you know, went away at Chelsea and stuff um, previous season and, and done well. But yeah, I think Arsenal edge them out. And Arsenal are $1.40 favourites, the draw $4.35, Sunderland at eight bucks. And, and in Steve Bruce, manager that... that Brought a lot of uh, new players in. Patience amongst the faithful there at uh, the stadium like, seems to be running out. Yeah, I mean, um, he's sort of one of those sort of solid Premier League managers that tend to get teams there or thereabouts. But, you know, players have gone from Sunderland. They've, they've sort of received money for Bent and what have you. But he, he's certainly been able to spend it so that they'd be hoping to be sort of top 10 this season. All right, the final game of the round is Newcastle, um, flying high, Newcastle. It's an intriguing this game, time. this, actually. Cause top, top four, currently, 15 points from seven games, surprising the uh, the pundits, and I think themselves. <laughs> Certainly their, their fans would not have expected this. Sold all their best players. And, and Spurs, uh, three points behind them. So, you know, critical weekend for Spurs. Obviously, they played a game less because they uh, lost that opening game to the to the Riots. Uh, this will be a good test for both teams, I think. Be a good test for Newcastle, see where they're at, but also Spurs. God, there should be will be a big crowd at St James's Park. Um, yeah, this, uh, this has got the potential to be the uh, you know entertainment-wise the the game of the round. Um, I, I can see it being a high-scoring draw. Well, the Sporting Bet have uh, have Spurs slight favourites. Newcastle are two dollars ninety. The draw is three dollars twenty-five. And Spurs are two dollars forty. Okay, well, that, I mean that's interesting considering how Newcastle have started, and uh, Bar looks like he's uh, hitting some form as well. And Kabaye is the player that's caught my eye. Yes. Um, in the midfield, uh, a very good pick up from Lille, so uh, definitely worth keeping an eye out. All right, that's it for part three. We will be back in the final part of this week's four four two Insider Podcast to preview this weekend's round two of the Hyundai A-League. The November issue of 442 magazine is out now. This month, we preview the world's biggest club competition, the UEFA Champions League. We speak to the world's best player, Lionel Messi, show you how Barcelona can be beaten, and run down the Aussie high and lows from the history of the Champions League. Elsewhere, we interview Socceroo Patrick Kisnorbo and Melbourne Heart captain Fred. 442 on sale now. 
the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We turn our attention back to the Hyundai A-League now and it's round two. Kicks off tomorrow night with a blockbuster. Adelaide versus Melbourne. Standing room only, I hear. Well, I think at, that might uh, have gone as well. Marsh, really? I think it might have sold out, yeah. Well, they're certainly expected to sell out by the time the game kicks off, so... What is a sellout at High Marsh? Um, six, seventeen, seventeen thousand. Seventeen thousand. Yeah, thinking, nice. Yeah. Sure, someone can correct us on that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I mean, it's a great way to open the uh, round Friday night game. There, Melbourne victory will will take a, you know a decent contingent of away fans, which always adds to the spectacle. Um, Arguably the biggest rival in the league, isn't it? Yeah, I'd it? say so. There's a you know there's, there's there's that sort of geography that that helps that, that makes it you know. A, an achievable away trip for both sets of fans. Uh, Sportingbet.com.au you have it. Adelaide, slight, um, very, very slight favourites, and I mean very slight by five cents. Two dollars fifty-five Adelaide, two dollars sixty Melbourne victory, and the draws three dollars thirty. Flick a coin. Obviously, traditionally a happy hunting ground for Melbourne. Uh, although last season saw Adelaide sort of bury the the hoodoo somewhat. How do you see this one going, Trip? Uh, I'm, I'm firmly on the fence. I'm going to go for a draw on that one. It, it, it's difficult. Um, I'm picking a draw, but I wouldn't be surprised if any result, in any of the three possible home away or draw results there, that's yeah, could potential to be a cracker considering the uh, the attackers that are on uh, display from both teams. Uh, you know, real wealth. And hopefully we'll see our first look at Dario Vilasic. Yeah, season. it looks like he'll be fit. He's, he's doing interviews and stuff today. So, um, yeah, it sounds like he'll be ready for that one. Excellent. And Archie, obviously we didn't talk to him. Uh, he was uh, on Twitter posting photos of a, of a pretty horrific-looking gash in his shin. Mm. We saw it at the time, but uh, I saw uh, Mehmet was on uh, Fox Sports FC last night saying that he, he will be fit, he's available. He's had six or seven stitches in it, but he's uh, he'll be ready to... Uh, to uh, strap on the shin guards again. If there was ever a perfect person to go on Twitter, it might have to be Archie, oh, no. <laughs> Archie Thompson. Uh, all right, I think I am going to tip an away win. I think Melbourne Did are going to go there. Is that a last minute? Yeah, <laughs> last minute, last minute. All right, Mariners, first game at home, Blue Tongue Stadium, host Gold Coast United. Trev. Yes, Battle of the Coasts. Um I think you'd have to favour the home team here. Um, an important game for them. I think if they, if they started stalling against teams that they certainly expect to beat at home, um, another team starts to move away. That's that's not the start they're looking for. But yeah, I, th- I think the Mariners will win there. Okay, uh, Sporting Bet agree with you. They've got the Mariners a dollar seventy-two, Gold Coast four dollars seventy-five. That's a that's a big outsider. Um, the draw three dollars fifty. Um, Sydney SC, their first home game of the season, uh, they host the reigning champions, Brisbane Raw. Now, rightly or wrongly, people are going to be looking at the crowd for this game. Yes. You know, um, I know that we do probably over-obsess about crowds, but this is an important one. You know, Sydney's first home game, Brett Everton's first home game back in the country. They're playing against the defending champions who we know play great football. How many are going to turn up, Trev? 18,000. Wow. I think that would be an amazing result. You think? Yeah. Well, I think that that's the sort of fixture they should be pushing yeah, for, for, for over you. 20, really. I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I'd, 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 I'd hope, you know, around that figure, like you say, it's 
and they do these draws like this for a reason. It's a perfect way to get a you know get a membership. You know that's the first game. I'm annoyingly at a wedding, so I'm not actually going to get to see it. So that's one <laughs> one one less down. But um, yeah, look, I, I hope people get out for it because there's every reason why it should be a great game. All right, and on the pitch, um, you know, how can Sydney take steps to try and nullify? What you know, what they know now is going to be the Brisbane Raw system of play and style of play. Yeah, I mean, you know, the only advantage you got is you kind of know how they're going to play. Um, the bigger problem is how to stop it. Um, I think it'll be a draw, actually. I think Sydney will do enough to to get a point, and they might feel going away to victory and home to Brisbane a couple of points is a is a fair start to the season. Well, Sydney surprisingly a slight favourites on Sporting Bet two dollars fifty, Brisbane two dollars sixty five, the draws three dollars thirty. Um, Personally, I think, you know, even without Mark Bridge, I just think Sydney this season, they just look a little light up front. I think they've not replaced Alex Brosk. I think that will come back to hurt them, that mobility up front. I don't think Bruno's got a lot of strengths. You know, I think he's a, he's a good player. He's a solid Ticks player. Over goals, but, isn't he? but he's not got the mobility that somebody like Alex Brosk brought. And ultimately, I think... Well, he's not got um, the mobility we've got. Well, and, and particularly in this game. Yeah. You know, um I think Mark Bridge will be a loss simply because he, he's a bit more mobile than Bruno. So I think we'll see him coming. I mean, Michaela's still there as well. He's not really mm. figured, um, but he's still on the roster. So, uh, you know, but again, big game. Good chance for someone like Nicky Carl in this sort of game. Yeah. You know, this, this is the sort of game where, where he should shine, you know, and then let's look for him to, uh, to step up. Should right. be a massive season for Carl, really, shouldn't it, if he can stay fit? Yeah. Uh, well into Phoenix, their first home game. Uh, back at the Westpac Stadium, uh, fitting in between the uh, the Rugby World Cup there. Um, maybe they'll pick up a few uh, a few tourists that yeah. are there. In, in if you got if you got boots, willing to play. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, they will play the Newcastle Jets. Uh, so two sides, um, you know, with with a lot of pressure on them for different reasons. Um, how do you see this one going, Charles? Wellington traditionally. Very strong at home. Sporting bet reflects that with uh, Wellington at a dollar ninety, uh, Newcastle at four bucks, and the draw is three dollars thirty. Yeah, I'm not quite sure that I'm that sure of the result, but I am going to back Phoenix. I think they'll they'll do okay at um, home this season, regardless of a few players being trimmed back. I suppose what's going to be pivotal is how many people get back and how quickly they get them back to to how the season's going to go. But I, I think they'll beat the Jets. Okay. Um, I'm going to tip a draw there. I think I might go for my draws again. Yeah. Went for it last week. Very close. I went for the five five draws, four draws, box, three draws, box. Mm. And when you actually look at it, you know, Newcastle was a couple of seconds away from being yeah, a draw. I bet you love that, didn't you? <laughs> Melbourne was a draw. Melbourne-Sydney was a draw. Gold Coast was a draw, you know. Yeah. I think you, know, you could make a case for four or five draws in those games. Yeah, I think no, you have. And no one, you know, no one run away. I mean, Perth just edged out Adelaide and Brisbane edged out Mariners. Fair, they should have won by more. But you know what I mean. There's only one goal in each of the, those games. Yeah, so rounding out the uh, the second round is Melbourne Hart hosting Perth Glory at Amy Park. Um, this will be an intriguing game, I think. Yeah. Uh, these are two teams that have, have got good squads. Uh, neither made the finals last year. Yeah. We'll be looking to atone for that. Um, you know, Hart will consider themselves unlucky not to have got something out of the game uh, in round one. Perth obviously got a win. Traditionally, Perth have struggled uh, on the road. A lot at stake. I'm, I'm going to um, go Perth. I, th- mm. I think that, yeah, I've, 
I think the heart looked a little bit all over the place at the Jets last week, and, and they're going to take a little bit more work before they're um, going to seal up that leaky defence. And I think Perth looked pretty good going forward and looked like they've got some, some goals in them this season. So what's always been the Achilles heel you know, for Perth and Wellington has been that away form, isn't it? Really strong at home, not so you know, great away from home. If, if they can solve that, then um, they're contenders, and, a, and I think that away to heart's the sort of game I can see them winning. Okay, the Sporting Bet have got it. Melbourne Heart are favourites at $2.20. Perth, if you want to back Perth, Trevor, that'll get you $3.10. Uh, and the draw is $3.30. Go Perth. Excellent. All right, that is it for this week. Uh, we will be back next week. Enjoy round two of the A-League. Get out, support your local team. Uh, it needs you. The A-League needs you. So uh, we look forward to seeing you at the game. And we will be back next week to pick the bones out of everything that happens. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.